Right. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Good morning, everyone. Good, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet, like Brian said, my name is Justin. I get to serve on our ministry team here at Mount Hope. It's great to be in worship with you today. And if you're joining us from home, a very special welcome to you as well. This morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series that we do pretty much every January, the series on our foundations, what we believe and how we practice our faith day to day. And we're going to spend some time focused there this morning. So if you want to grab a Bible this morning, or if you're at home and want to do that right now, go ahead and grab that Bible in front of you. We'll be in Luke chapter 11 in just a few minutes. Luke chapter 11. So if you want to turn there, we can do that now. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been in a conversation that went nowhere because it started in the wrong place? It started incorrectly, and as a result, it went nowhere. A couple of years ago, I was sitting at work and suddenly got a phone call from a number that I did not recognize. I picked up the phone, and before I could even say hello, there was the voice of an elderly gentleman on the other line. And he was talking. He was telling me about some of his most private and personal medical information. He was just openly telling me things that are happening within his body and outside his body that I really did not want to know. But he was just talking, and he was just talking and talking, and he was asking me to refill medication for him, and he was asking me what should he do about a very, very personal issue that I can't even mention here in church. And I'm sitting here going, what is going on here? And a couple of seconds into this conversation, I started to realize something. He got the far less smart Joseph on the phone. And I knew right away that this was a conversation intended for my wife. You see, what had happened a couple of weeks earlier that I'd completely forgotten was that Alin had come to me and said, hey, I need to call a patient back. Can I use your phone? I don't have my phone with me. And so she called the patient. The patient had my number stored in his phone. And a couple of weeks later, when he needed his medicine refilled, he called the wrong Joseph. And so here was this conversation that went nowhere. I promise you, I didn't give him any medical information. I didn't give him any recommendations. He probably wouldn't be with us today if I did. But I understood right away that this conversation is going nowhere because it started in the wrong place. And this morning, as we come to God's presence, this is really the foundation of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about prayer today. Last week, we had an opportunity to learn more about why it's so important to study Scripture and to know God's Word and to do it together as a family, as God's family, to study His Word. And this morning, we're going to look into this idea of prayer, why it's so important, how to do it well, and why prayer is such an integral part of our lives. We'll talk about that this morning. But let's be honest, every year when we talk about prayer, there's one thing that happens to just about all of us, and that is guilt. This idea of I don't pray enough, and the overwhelming guilt that comes with that. In fact, let me ask you a question. You can raise your hands. How many of you feel like prayer is important? Okay. I'm sitting in church, and just about every hand just went up. Let me ask you another question. How many of you wish you prayed more? And again, almost every hand went up. Why is that? If we all believe this is important, 
what prevents us from doing it the amount of times or the quality that we hope we would do it? In fact, let me ask you that question. Feel free to shout out your answers here. What keeps you from praying? What is it that prevents you from praying the amount or at the quality that you wish you had prayed? Go ahead and shout out your answers. We're all together here. We can do this. Distractions. Distractions. Thank you, Andrew. Distractions. There's so many other things going on. In fact, I'm best guessing if you're at home right now and you're watching this service, there are a million other things vying for your attention right now. That phone in front of you, that person in your home, that other thing that you need to do. There are distractions in our lives. What else? What else keeps us from praying? Yes, please, Jasmine. Doubt. Doubt. Yes. Believe it or not, this could be one of the biggest reasons why we don't pray. For many of us, it's, I don't even know if it works. What else keeps us from praying? Busyness. Tiredness, stress, distractions, doubt. The truth is all of us or most of us agree that prayer is important and most of us wish that we prayed more. But there's something that stands in the middle there. For many of us, it's our attention span. For many of us, there's a million other things to do. For some of us, we simply don't know if it works I pray, but I'm not even sure if it really works. For some of us, it's this ongoing feeling that prayer is just something I do. It's an add-on. But in the end, it's still up to me to figure out my problems, to solve my life, to make it fit and work. So something stands between my belief that prayer is important and how much and how well I actually pray. And this morning, as we look into God's word, this is the question that we want to address. Why does that happen? And if it does, what should I do about it? Because here's where it probably falls for most of us. It's a conversation, prayer, that goes nowhere because it starts in the wrong place. We pray maybe for the reasons that we don't fully understand why we pray and how we should pray. So when we turn to God's word this morning, I hope you'll keep this in mind. I believe prayer is important, and I don't pray as much as I'd like to. Why? So in Luke chapter 11 this morning, we come to one of the most famous passages in Scripture about prayer. Right at the beginning there in verse 1, we see Jesus addressing a question or addressing a request from his disciples. The request is a simple one. Lord, teach us to pray. And as soon as this request comes to Jesus, Jesus answers the request with a very famous set of verses. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and so on and so forth. Verses that we're probably very familiar with. But right after the Lord's Prayer, there's another set of verses that I'd like for us to focus on this morning. Verses that focus on prayer and maybe why we don't pray the way we're supposed to pray and why we sometimes don't fill in that gap between prayer is important and I don't pray enough. And so this is what those verses say. We read like this in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What does prayer look like in your life right now? You know, I asked this question to myself a lot this past week. And a lot of my answers were pretty embarrassing. What I really found in my life is that my most desperate prayers and my most everyday prayers pretty much sound the same. Now, I want you to think for a second, what were the most desperate prayers that you ever prayed? Now, I thought about a lot of them in my lifetime. I remember as a 12-year-old boy standing next to my father's bed. My father was in a major accident. He was in a coma for a very long time. And I remember standing next to his bed and praying one of the most desperate prayers that you could ever imagine. And watching my father be healed from that illness and come out alive from that specific situation. I remember other moments in my life, in Alin's life, where we've prayed desperate prayers. There was this day specifically where we had a babysitter, a babysitter who was watching our infant child at the time. And this babysitter, we found out some things about her that were not very pleasing. And so when we had addressed them with her, she made some threatening statements. Now, the problem was that she was still watching our baby at the time when this threatening statement was happening while we were both at work. I remember making a 40-minute drive home with knowing that this woman was at home with our baby. And you can imagine the desperate prayers I was praying during those 40 minutes to drive home to find out that, thank God, my baby was safe. I've prayed desperate prayers in my life, and I'm sure you have as well. But the more I thought about my desperate prayers, I found out they were pretty much the same thing as my everyday prayers. My everyday prayers of... God, help me at work today. God, help me get to work safely today. Help my family. Ultimately, these prayers are just me wishing in God's direction or worrying in God's direction. And that's it. It's wishing and worrying in God's direction. My most desperate prayers are wishing and worrying in God's direction. And my least desperate prayers are just wishing and worrying in God's direction. And that made me ask the question, is that what prayer really is? Is that what my conversation with God is supposed to be? Now, please don't get me wrong. God absolutely wants me to cry out to him and to call on him in my moments of need. But is that everything he wants it to be? In fact, why does this conversation, this relationship not grow or go in the place it's supposed to go? Because it starts in the wrong place. It's just me wishing and worrying in God's direction. And then we come to Luke chapter 11, and Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. He uses those famous verses, the Lord's Prayer, and then he goes into this little story 
a story of a man and his neighbor. Now, you should picture what this time would have looked like at that, when Jesus is saying this. A house in the time of Jesus would have been probably one room. That one room might have had one door and one window. And when you entered into that home, it was likely that the animals and the people were all staying in the same place. That you walk past the animals at night and there would be this raised platform with a stove in the middle or something to keep them warm. And the family would sleep around the warmth of the fire throughout the night. And in the story Jesus tells, a neighbor comes to the home and knocks on the door and says, I have a visitor from out of town. I need you to lend me some bread that I can serve my, my visitor from out of town. This person inside the home knows that if I need to answer your request, I got a lot of things I've got to do. I've got to get up. I've got to wake up my family. I've got to wake up all of these animals just to come and answer the door. This is not ideal for me. And in the story, the neighbor just keeps knocking and keeps persisting and keeps asking. And because of that, the man answers the door. And it also says, because of your shameless audacity, I will give you the bread that you've asked for. Now, this verse has been translated a million different ways. In your Bible right now, it might say impudence. Because of his impudence, I will give him bread. Or in the version we read this morning, because of his shameless audacity, I will give him what he asked. Now, what that verse actually says is not because you asked, but because of who I am and my reputation in this community and my reputation in this world, I will give you what you asked. It's pretty amazing because this is what Jesus is teaching us about God. That he doesn't just answer prayers because of me. He answers prayers because of him. Because of who he is and his reputation and his promise-making and promise-keeping ways, he answers prayer. And so when we come to this conversation, this initial com communion with God, this thing called prayer, we should understand why we do it. Now, if you're like me and you're just wishing and worrying in God's direction, maybe we can start to change things around a little this morning. What if prayer looked different? What if prayer started from a different place? If you've ever been to a sporting event, you know every time we go to an event, they sing the national anthem at the beginning. And you might ask yourself, why do we do that? It has nothing to do with the game that's about to take place. But we do it because it's something we do before a game. Sometimes prayer is like this. It's something we do. It's something we do even though it has no connection to what we do the rest of the day. It's something that we do. But this morning I hope we can start to look at prayer for what it was meant to be. Jesus gives us this example of a man knocking on a door and receiving bread and then gives us this example that if you are willing to give bread to one another, imagine what I'm willing to give for you. I believe Jesus calls us to a couple of things when it comes to prayer. And the first thing he calls us to do is persist in prayer. He calls us to persist. In fact, it says there like this, that this man kept knocking repeatedly because this is where my answer to my need is. I'm going to keep knocking. 
In that verse we read today, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. In fact, the way it could actually be read in the original Greek is ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. That God calls us to persistence in prayer. In fact, there's a verse like this that we read in Colossians. Be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. Persist in prayer. Now, when we persist in prayer, I think it means a little bit more than just keep going. What God is calling us to is to make prayer the most important part of our day that we build the rest of our day around. In fact, if I could give you an illustration of what this looks like. You've all seen handbells before. Bells that you pick up and you ring one by one. For most of us, this is what our day looks like. It's like ringing separate handbells. I wake up in the morning and I ring the work bell. I ring the parenting bell. I ring the husband or wife bell. I do the tasks associated with that bell. And somewhere along the way, there will be a prayer bell that I will ring. They are separate bells that are rung at separate times in the day that have nothing to do with each other. But here's what God calls us to. He calls us to be sleigh bells. Here's the difference between handbells and sleigh bells. Sleigh bells are attached by a string. And that string connects every one of them. And what God calls us to do when we persist in prayer is to let prayer be the string that connects every bell in our life. So when I pull the string of prayer, it jingles every other bell in my life. So when I persist in prayer, my work life is affected by my praying life. My school, my parenting, my marriage is also being pulled by that same string where we typically separate out prayer. In fact, we have this word in church world, my prayer life, as though my work life, my family life, and my prayer life were all separate things. This morning, what God is calling us to is not just a prayer life, but a praying life, a life that is built around communication and communion with God. It's not just wishing and worrying in his direction. It's when I pull the string of prayer in the morning, that string is attached to my job so that when I get to work and I'm facing stress or a big decision, that prayer string is still being pulled throughout the day. When I'm driving and facing stress in my commute, when I have a difficult relationship with a family member, that prayer string is being pulled and that bell is ringing with the string of prayer. For so many of us, prayer has become this separate, isolated handbell that we ring. Maybe for three minutes in the morning, maybe right before a meal. When God is saying persist in prayer, he's saying pull the string of prayer all day. Communicate with me all day. Have this communion and relationship with me all day. Don't let it just be an isolated event during your day. Let it be the lifestyle of your day. That I will pray in the morning, I will pray in the afternoon, I'll pray in the evening, but not just as an isolated time, which by the way is important. But all day I'm in communion with God. Communion with God. Remember we said before that so often conversations go nowhere because they start in the wrong place. 
This morning, are you and I just wishing and worrying in God's direction and starting this conversation in the wrong place? Or are we persisting? That God, I want to know you better so I will have this conversation with you based on knowing you better. Pastor Matt Chandler, he often uses this phrase. He says, pray what you got. And so often we don't pray as much because we think we've got to have these perfect words, these articulate prayers that we come to God with. When the truth is God calls us to all day, just pray what you got. Say what you want to say. Say it to him like your father, like your neighbor who's willing to open the door to you, like your God who loves you. Talk to him. Don't let work be a separate handbell when you can talk to him about work. Don't let the problems of school and marriage and family be isolated separate bells when you can easily talk to him about those bells. Pray all day. Persist in prayer. Secondly, God calls us to remain in prayer. Remain in prayer. We read like this, How much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In John chapter 15, there's this beautiful verse that Jesus has, this conversation he has with his disciples. He uses the word abide. You've heard this word probably before if you've ever heard this chapter preached before. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Now that word abide is not a word we use a lot, so it can be a little bit difficult to understand. Here's what that word means. It means remain with me. Stay connected to me. This is one of the highest purposes of prayer is to remain in Christ. He says, you cannot bear any fruit in life unless you are connected to me. And prayer is an opportunity for witness with God. It's communion with God, this opportunity to remain with him. And when we go to God with just our wishing and our worrying in his direction, what we miss is the opportunity to abide, to remain, to be connected with him. How many of you here are tea drinkers? You like to drink tea. How many of you? Yeah, there's a bunch of you here. I'm not one of those. <laughs> but I watch people who drink tea, and this is one of the things I often see when someone drinks tea. There are people who grab their little hot water and then take that tea bag and dunk it a couple of times, and they're good. And then there are people who just let the tea bag sit. They wrap it around a spoon. They drain every ounce of tea out of it. They drop it into the water and let that tea bag just permeate that water. When it comes to prayer, this is what God is calling us to. To be a tea bag that just sits inside that water. To let everything about that tea and that water become one. To remain with him to be connected with him. In fact, the illustration that Jesus uses is a branch and a vine. He says, unless you are connected to the vine, you cannot bear fruit. And so what we do when we come to God's presence in prayer is we abide with him, hour by hour trusting him more, hour by hour seeking him more, hour by hour making him our highest treasure. This is what remaining looks like. But when I look at my prayers so often, here's what I think of. 
My prayer has nothing to do with remaining with Christ. It has everything to do with me having an easier life. And the highest challenge that I've called myself to, and I hope you will too as well, is to make my prayer about abiding with Christ, remaining with him, connected to him, knowing his heart, understanding who he is, and making him the highest treasure of my life, to remain with him. So prayer is not only us persisting and remaining. In fact, if you look at what Jesus says in that that final verse that we read this morning, he says, when you ask, I will give you the Holy Spirit. Think about that. You ask me anything and I will give you the Holy Spirit. In other words, I will give you more of me is what I will give you. So this needs to be the highest calling of prayer. God, not just for me to get stuff, but for me to get more of you. And so I'm called to persist and I'm called to remain. And the final thing I'll say this morning is that prayer is our call to align with God, to align with him. There's a verse in Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this verse. We have it hung up in our house. It's a beautiful verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's how I've read that verse my entire life. If I make God happy, I will get whatever I want. That's honestly how I looked at that verse for years. If I can make him happy, I will get whatever I want. It's like the way my kids look at me. Make dad happy, make him smile, get whatever you want. But here's what that verse really says. It says to delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, draw so close to God in prayer that I want so much of God that I will draw close to him in prayer. And when I do that, I will make God's desires my desires. What God wants becomes what I want because I've become so aligned with him. And then he will give me the desires of my heart. So whose desires is he actually giving me? His desires. Do you see the difference when we read that verse the way it was intended? When I align with God, I start asking for heaven to come to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I start to pray these amazing radical prayers where God's desire becomes my desire, I will see those things happen in this world. I want to align with God when it comes to my prayer life. To be so connected to him that when I pray something, this is how Luke 11 says it, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now the door is not being opened to me just only getting what makes my life easier. It's being opened to God's will on earth. So many times we stop praying because we just doesn't work. I've prayed for something and it wasn't answered. What if I was praying unaligned prayers all along? What if I was praying so that my life could be more convenient, not necessarily for God's desires to be fulfilled on earth? 
He's calling you and I to persist. He's calling on us to remain. And he's calling on us to be aligned with him. So this morning, if you are facing the same guilt that I face, that I don't pray enough, even though I know prayer is important, I hope you will have the same request that the disciples had. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And if you want to keep it easy and to understand where to start this communion with, where to start this conversation, Lord, teach us to pray. P for persist. R for remain. A, aligned with you. This entire week, this entire month, this year ahead, I hope you will keep this in mind. Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to persist with you, to make prayer about every part of my life, to remain with you, to make prayer about abiding and connecting to you, to align with you, to pray prayers that are your heart, that are your desires, so that they can be fulfilled on this earth. Lord, teach me to pray. And this morning, we'll have an opportunity to do that. In just a minute, Pastor Brian's going to come forward, and he's going to lead us in communion. Think about that word for a second. Communion is becoming one, to become one with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to become one with him. And this is what we do in prayer. This morning, we'll have an opportunity to not only pray, but to pray for one another and with one another. And there is power in praying with one another. When Alyn and I first started coming to Mount Hope years and years ago, maybe right around the first two or three years we were here, I remember so clearly there was a time when, when Ethan was just born, our first son was born, and you can understand this pain, if, especially as a parent, where he'd gone long stretches where he wouldn't eat solid foods well. That we would sometimes sit for hours and put a spoon of food in his mouth, and it would sit there for hours. He would just hold it in his mouth and not eat. We saw him dropping down on the growth uh, tables and we started noticing that he's not having the same physical development as other children and it hurt us. It was hard to watch and hard to live through day in and day out. We would often spend nights not sleeping because we knew our son had not eaten and we would worry and we would wish in God's direction. One Sunday morning, we were at the Burlington location at the time, and the, the pastors called forward the elders to pray for anyone who needed prayer. And Lynn and I never really went up for prayer before. But that day, we were just so desperate that we just went up. And there was a, a couple in the front. Uh, some of you know Renee and Ludi Amagawan. Uh, Renee has uh, gone to be with the Lord since then. But there was this older couple, this loving couple that we had never talked to, just a high and by in the hallways here and there, and that was it. We walked up to Renee and Ludi and we told them, Renee, Ludi, our son is not eating and we are very worried. And in that moment, we saw what happens when we pray with one another and for one another. Ludi smiled at us and she just said to us, do you know that God loves your son more than you do? And it was in that moment that for the first time, I didn't worry about Ethan eating again. And if you've seen him this morning, he's doing just fine with that. <laughs> we didn't worry anymore because someone in that moment carried the burden with us. Renee then proceeded to pray for the two of us. And in his prayer, he prayed for our son, that's for sure. He wished for our son to, to do better. But he prayed this powerful prayer where he said, God, let this baby's father and mother 
abide in you more because of this. Let them know you better because of this. And in that moment, I can't even tell you how quickly the burden disappeared. Because I knew God was answering the prayer, but I also knew someone else was carrying the burden with us. And this morning, you will have an opportunity to carry burdens for one another. I'm going to invite Pastor Brian to come forward to lead us in communion and in prayer at this time.